welcome to the Prana Om Wellness Podcast, a space where wellness is explored, encouraged, and researched. Here we recognize that everyone is unique and has their own set of pre-existing circumstances that would prevent a one-size-fits-all approach to wellness, which is why we're exploring practices that you can then consider applying to your lifestyle. We all know it feels good. Lean into it. Hello, welcome to the second episode of the Prana Ohm Wellness Podcast. So our website officially launched late last week and I'm super, super excited to just start connecting with people who are looking to expand their wellness practices. Uh, so definitely be sure to check out pranaomwellness.com. Uh, there you can explore our articles and our wellness products. And so far on the site, we've explored things like tips to help transition into a plant-based lifestyle or why people are obsessed with tongue scraping all of a sudden or tips to practice yoga at home and um, I actually even had my mom write a piece on her grief and her healing process thus far. As I mentioned briefly in the last episode, uh, my father passed away this June so hopefully writing for my mom can become sort of a tool that will help aid in her healing journey and hopefully help others who are kind of in a similar boat. So with the holidays officially here, I know that this can be kind of a difficult time for a lot of people. Um, Last year, we were grieving with the knowledge that it would likely be my dad's last Christmas, almost like grieving while he was still there. It was like he was part of that process, really. Um, And this year, we actually have to confront the holiday without him. So it's definitely not something I'm necessarily looking forward to, but it is something that I'm going to have to confront. So If you're grieving a recent death or even a not so recent death, since this process really isn't linear or ever really final, um, this podcast will hopefully bring you some comfort. So I just want to start by talking about my father's death just a bit and my initial healing process. And then we're going to dive into some things that you can try yourself or keep in mind, uh, especially as we finish off 2021 and enter the new year. So the tips that we're going to kind of chat about a little bit um, will be things that can help you prioritize your wellness and your well-being even while you're grieving. Um, So just to preface this, I first of all just want to acknowledge that grief and healing are two of the most personal journeys that we face in life. Although as humans, we crave connection and understanding and validation that what we're feeling is valid, grief is something that doesn't just give us the satisfaction of universal understanding. And so what we go through is so unique and so reliant on our individual experiences with the person that we lost that nobody can ever really truly understand what it's like to lose the person that's coming to mind for you right now. Um, since they, they weren't there for every interaction or and they didn't share the same connection that you had. So although connecting through a mutual understanding of what grief or the feeling of grief in general um, feels like, it can be extremely therapeutic and helpful, uh, but that connection or attempt thereof can also cause a little bit of resentment sometimes because you feel like, hey, you don't understand. Only I know what this is like. You lost your grandparent? Well, I lost my father and they lost their child and they lost their first pet. And all of these losses are equally as valid and they deserve to be felt and grieved. But with all of that said, I can't necessarily understand exactly what you're going through. So just because a lot of us have experienced this feeling of grief and we're looking for some kind of connection, 
It doesn't necessarily mean that anyone will ever truly actually understand exactly what we feel. And that's something that one, we just need to acknowledge because if we don't acknowledge it, can, it can really cause a lot of resentment uh, towards the people who are actually really just trying to help you by relating to you. Um, and once we are able to accept that, you know, no one is going to know exactly what you feel like. And even further, no one actually needs to understand what you feel like. Um, people don't need to understand your emotions for them to be valid. Only you need to acknowledge them and, uh, and live in them. Right? It's not about other people feeling your pain or seeing that you're hurt. It's really about you coming to terms with what you feel like and acknowledging how you feel and cherishing the fact that you know that grief and the relationship that you had with your loved one or that person is unique to you and it's special and it's something that you're going to hold on to forever and it doesn't need to involve anybody else. Right? It is nice to be able to connect with people. I'm not devaluing that at all. I think that, you know, um, connecting through whether it's like group healing or just chatting with people is really important. But just remember to release that expectation of, of you know, a true understanding of exactly what you feel like, because that's not the goal. The goal is to connect uh, and for you to not only connect with others through grief, but to connect fully and entirely with yourself and your higher self. So I just wanted to acknowledge that because uh, this path isn't linear or ever really final. So there are only things that can aid in developing a new normal instead of restoring the past completely just with the puzzle piece of your loved one left out. So basically these tools that we're going to chat about, um, they aren't about bringing you back to a place that you were in before you lost your loved one. Uh, they're really about bringing you forward and allowing you to create this new sense of normal and new path because what you're on right now, you're, you're never going to be able to go back, not just um, in the sense that you won't be able to see that person or be with them again. Um, it, it's also in the sense that you won't actually be that person anymore, right? Like these, these things have changed us and our circumstances are different. So we don't want to revert back. We want to move forward. And it's just about learning how to do that without the loved one uh, while still honoring yourself. And I think really diving into these wellness practices and prioritizing your own wellness is, is super important. So now with that said, let's get a little personal. So uh, my dad was diagnosed with esophageal cancer back in December of 2019. He was actually diagnosed two years ago today. And when I realized that, I was like, oh no, so emotional. I just, I just had one of those moments where I was like, wow, two years ago, he, he was here. And I remember he said, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere yet. And, you know, it's two years later and, and here we are. You know, he's been gone for about five months now and it's just, well, so Clearly, it's still something that that I'm going through in this process. Like I said, it's maybe never ending. I've spoken to a lot of people who say that this process is is exactly that, a, a process. It's not linear. It's not finite. Um, and it's something that, you know, you you deal with every day. And that's why prioritizing your own well-being and, you know, making sure that you are practicing some kind of wellness-based living is so important. So my dad did treatment. And then by the summer of 2020, they were like, oh, he's cancer free. We were like, yay, perfect. Uh, but then unfortunately, they were wrong. And by October of 2020, he had cancer in his esophagus, his bladder, kidneys, adrenal glands, and his liver. Um, so that was a shock. And I moved back home uh, to be with my family, of course, in early March of this year. 
And by the end of May, the cancer had spread to his neck and then eventually it had spread into his brain. So without going into too much detail, of course, I I shared a lot of intimate and vulnerable moments with him. And uh, two weeks before he passed, he actually gave me the advice to start the morning early with exercise or some sort of movement, whether that be walking or running or yoga or whatever it is, and then to work or study or whatever I had for that day, cook, work some more, tire myself out, you know, do things that make me happy, but then make sure that I'm tired enough that I go to sleep early. (laughs) And he was trying at that point to help set me up for success and guide my path to wellness when he knew that he wouldn't actually be here to help if I ever felt like I wasn't on track or feeling well. So he knew that the grieving process would be difficult. And so he offered the advice of developing routine and avoiding late nights of overthinking. He knew that uh, when I when I wasn't prioritizing my own well-being, that I would kind of self-sabotage. Like I would stay up really late. So then I would either be exhausted if I had to wake up early or I would sleep in a bit. Um, then I would either, you know, not cook at home. So I'd be eating out or I wouldn't eat enough. Um, and it's just kind of how it turns into this cyclical pattern of like self-sabotage and not prioritizing yourself. And he knew that I had that in me in the past. And he was like, you know what? You got to set this routine up for yourself. Wake up early, work, do school, you know, exhaust yourself, have fun, prioritize your well-being, eat enough, sleep enough, um, you know, make your bed, these things and develop, develop a wellness routine and get into these habits and, and, you know, those things should help you stay on track and feel grounded. So in the months of of, uh, leading up to his death, I actually did a few things to help keep me grounded. But I spent a lot of time, honestly, just wandering and, and looking for a path that would, quote, save me from the reality that I was facing. So I started practicing more yoga Uh, I started meditating more. I dived into Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga, which we'll explore another time. Uh, But I never really felt grounded, like truly grounded until after he passed. I was in like a really chaotic time, of course, of this like, oh no, is it going to happen now? Is he going to pass? You know, all this is traumatic. What's happening? Your brain's running at like a thousand miles a minute uh, for such a prolonged period of time. So it was really difficult to actually feel grounded. Um, But after he passed... That was once I was able to actually start grieving and then really focus on what prioritizing myself would look like since it was really the only option that I had if I wanted to come out on the other side, whatever that means. So uh, here are some practices that could potentially aid in prioritizing wellness despite dealing with a loss. So we're going to start off with developing a movement practice. And I spoke with someone before my dad passed who mentioned that energy can become trapped within our bodies after a traumatic experience. And apparently if we don't move or find a way to get the energy flowing, it can be super damaging to our emotional well-being. So in yoga, this is how I related it, but uh, in yoga, uh, they refer to energy pathways or, or marma as a place where prana or life energy moves. Uh, but that practice of energy movement is actually seen through a lot of things like Reiki, meditation, through ecstatic dance, um, even weightlifting, hundreds of other practices. So that idea of energy movement isn't unique to yoga uh, or, or ecstatic dance or anything like that. It, it really can be found within any movement practice. You know, you're, you're sweating, you're moving energy around. It's a release. 
So I'll do an entire episode later on the importance of a movement practice. But just for the context of today's episode, it's mostly important to have a movement practice that'll give you time to one, and move the stagnant grieving energy within you and then two prioritize you and you alone for 30 to 90 minutes or however long you choose to move um and that's without the thought of the outside world and devoting actual time to yourself can be one of the most healing things that you can do um so another thing that you could try is to dive into your hobbies or revisit old ones if you used to play an instrument or dance or play a sport or run or whatever it was, now could be a great time to actually devote some energy back into your hobby. Um, although our personality or identity is always changing with every interaction, literally, uh, we don't actually typically notice that we're shifting on a daily basis or that our kind of identity is is changing and shifting and developing literally with, with every interaction. But when we lose someone, we're often like flipped onto our heads and we're left in this state of disconnection from ourselves since things change so quickly. We're like, no, I'm having this existential crisis. Like, who am I, right? I'm sure, I'm sure if you've been through this process, you're like, wait, you know, who am I without them? Or, or I feel so different. I've changed all of a sudden. I feel different, whether that be for the worse or the better, like you feel it. Whereas although we're changing literally with it, with every interaction, we don't normally notice that, but grief can really throw you into this like crisis where you think, oh no, who am I? Um, and you feel really disconnected from, from ourselves because it happens so quickly. So here I'm basically touching on some like very entry ego versus higher self talk, which we'll explore for further uh, another time. But in the case of grief, we see our quote, personality or identity, aka like who we think that we are, change or be thrown off balance very quickly. And at a time like that, stabilizing ourselves and kind of returning back to familiarity is really nice, especially because losing someone is the opposite of, of having stability and familiarity in our lives. Uh, so if you're able to return back to an old hobby, it's a good way to stay grounded and connected back to yourself and, and your interests. And although you may not always be in the mood to actually just, you know, dance around your bedroom while grieving, making a conscious effort to prioritize staying grounded and connected will definitely make this experience a little less destabilizing. Um, so eating with awareness, that's another thing that you could definitely try uh, in order to kind of prioritize your wellness while you're grieving. Um, so the last thing that you want to do while in this period of grief is become obsessive with your eating habits as this can become something that, you know, further controls your life in a time where you're already lacking a lot of control um, just because you couldn't control obviously losing someone. So the last thing that you want to do is become obsessed. And, you know, that's a lot easier said than done. Um, but when I say eating with awareness, what I mean is to actually attempt to eat intuitively in a way that'll make you feel good. So if one day you wake up and you crave something cold, like a smoothie, then later in the afternoon you feel like eating you know, a basket of fries, then honor that. It's about acknowledging what your body wants and actually listening to it and getting into that habit of thinking, okay, what, do I, what am I craving right now? Okay, I want a burger. Okay, great. Then let's do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that, right? And so it's just about acknowledging and honoring that practice. So um, within grief, we can't actually bring our loved one back or do anything that can, you know, quote, solve our pain, but we can listen to our bodies and that's something we are in control of. And we can try to find happiness through the daily mundane tasks like eating. So 
For some, now is a good time to eat a lot of whole foods and develop some organization and routine in the kitchen. That can feel great. Um, You may actually feel like you're thriving if you do something like that. But for some, now is also the time, it could be the time to loosen that grip and enjoy all the comfort food that your heart desires. So eating, there's no right answer to this. It's really, it's really an intuitive practice. It's really about eating with awareness is simply about just making conscious choices that honor how you feel. So taking that control back and just listening to your body and to yourself and thinking, okay, this is what I want and I'm going to do it. Right. And so, um, setting boundaries is another practice. So, uh, some days will be better than others. And of course that's normal. Like I said earlier, when I realized, you know, that, that it had been two years since my dad had been diagnosed, I was like, Oh no, Oh no. And I just like, you know, cried a bit and I was like, Oh gosh, but I haven't cried in so long. What does this mean? And you know, you just have to just lean into it. And I just accepted, okay, like I'm feeling it right now. Just have to let it happen. And some days are going to be like this. Some won't. And there's no normal um, this isn't linear. As someone who likes organization and kind of likes to know what I'm doing, uh, that can sometimes be a little difficult to understand. Like, oh gosh, I can't actually, you know, control when this is going to happen. But it happens sometimes, and you just have to lean into it. So, um, if you're unable, for example, to hang out with someone that you've made plans with, or maybe you feel like you need to sleep in sometimes, just lean into that and set your boundaries. So. Uh, if you're uncomfortable speaking about your grief or maybe being vulnerable with certain people, honor your truth and just listen to your inner self guide you. You know what you're comfortable with and what you actually want to do, right? So someone's like, hey, do you want to go to brunch at 11? You know, we're all wearing red lipstick and you're like, well, no, <laughs> definitely not. That's not what I need right now. Then instead of maybe coming up with an excuse or coming up with some reason why maybe you should go just really try to get into that habit of of leaning into what actually feels good and what you want to do and what's going to help you on this healing journey because there's no right answer and if you don't want to go get brunch and you don't want to put the red lipstick on then don't do it Uh, so like healing and wellness they're directly interlinked and it's a process of understanding what you feel and then actually acting on it uh So finally, something that you could explore is actually exploring new avenues of wellness. Um, So once you're actually able to acknowledge the grief and pain, you're on the path to healing. Like, I think it's, that's probably, I think, step one in that healing process. Like one, acknowledging the grief and, you know, uh, understanding that it's there, um, kind of existing in it, you know, making sure that you understand, okay, I'm grieving, I feel pain, that's okay. I'm going to live in it. Um, as soon as you can acknowledge it and not fight against it, you're on the path. So there are so many techniques uh, that can be used to actually help you along that journey. Uh, so now is actually the perfect time to really dive into exploration. You know, it's a time of new beginnings. And I know that sounds like a cliche and you're like, oh God, I, I didn't ask for this new beginning. I, I don't want to be grieving. I want to revert back to what I had before. But really surrendering into the fact that... Um, you know, the impermanence exists in life. Nothing is permanent. It's really, really being able to detach from that idea of permanence existing is, is going to make the grieving process so much easier. And like I said, that too is, is a lot easier said than done, but it's something to keep in mind. So maybe even just kind of repeating that to yourself, that impermanence is a part of life. That'll make things a lot easier. So recently, actually, um, maybe about uh, two months ago, I visited the park 
Uh, and I saw some people dancing barefoot in the grass and they were like meditating and just like free flowing. Some people were doing a bit of yoga. Like people were just moving barefoot and the sun was shining. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Like first I, I saw them dancing. I was like, okay, hey, what the heck is like, what's going on here? You know, they were dancing in the middle of the park. People were walking by. It was busy, but they just seemed to like not give a care in the world. I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch this. And I sat there for like an hour watching these people move. And um, I was just like, I was in awe. And so afterwards, I, I found out that they were practicing ecstatic dance, and um, specifically five rhythms. Definitely, I would recommend looking into five rhythms. Super cool. Um, but all practices and forms of ecstatic dance um, aim to sort of do the same thing, which is, you know, moving that energy around and connecting to yourself. Um, and ever since I, I saw them dancing that day, I started going. So, uh, and it's been like such a wonderful way to actually feel connected to myself and move some of that energy around and like not only feel physically grounded, you know, with your feet in the, on the, on the ground, um, but just to move energy and move your body and not care what people think. It really is like the epitome of dancing, like nobody's watching, and there's no actual direction as to what the dance is supposed to look like or be like or anything like that. You just move. Um, I know that it sounds weird. <laughs> I think if I had heard about something like this even a year ago, I would have been like, what are you talking about? It's so strange. But um, it's something that, you know, I, I saw and I was able to explore and it's helped me so much. Um, so now you, you don't need to like dance around barefoot like a hippie to find wellness. I promise this might not be the thing that's going to help you. You might be like, that's actually the last thing that I would want is to dance around the park barefoot where everyone can see me. Um, but don't be scared to try things that may be outside of your comfort zone. Like I definitely had seen those people dancing was like, mm, I don't know about this. I don't know if I could do that, but I was able to. And, and it's been something that's very therapeutic and helpful. And um, you know, after the practice, some of us have bonded. Uh, there's a closing circle and we've all kind of chatted about what we felt during the practice. And, you know, we've brought up, oh, I felt really connected to my parent or to my, you know, my husband who died or whatever it is. Um, it was, it was, it turned into almost like a group healing session and it, it's just super needed. So um, definitely explore these different avenues. If things come up and maybe you're introduced to some kind of practice that you can explore, I would definitely recommend doing it. So that might look like, you know, going on long walks that eventually turn into runs or like maybe that could be working in like group healing classes or trying Reiki or going to that fitness class that someone invited you to or whatever it is, just try to say yes a bit more. It can be really easy to want to kind of do nothing and, you know, stay by yourself. And all, and although you do have to set those boundaries and, and honor what you feel, it's also good to explore new avenues and, and to really just kind of explore what wellness looks like. So, um, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, like exploring and trying everything you can is vital because every step is a step towards healing. So, uh, this has been like in no means a comprehensive list of things that will actually aid in your wellness journey while grieving, but it's definitely a good start. And so uh, if you have any questions or you want to talk about grief, you want to share your experience or you want more guidance uh, in a future podcast, for example, just send me a message on the Prana Om Wellness Instagram. So it's at Prana Om Wellness. So just send me a message and we can definitely chat. And uh, if you guys want, then hopefully we can do another podcast um, kind of on the, similar, uh, on the similar sphere. So 
just also want to say be easy on yourself the holidays are right around the corner so just remember to be intuitive with your journey and don't put too much pressure on yourself all right thanks everyone bye sudden or tips to practice yoga at home and um i actually even had my mom write a piece on her grief and her healing process thus far as i mentioned briefly in the last episode uh, my father passed away this june so hopefully writing for my mom can become sort of a tool that will help aid in her healing journey and hopefully help others who are kind of in a similar boat So with the holidays officially here, I know that this can be kind of a difficult time for a lot of people. And last year we were grieving with the knowledge that it would likely be my dad's last Christmas, almost like grieving while he was still there. It was like he was part of that process really. Um, And this year we actually have to confront the holiday without him. So it's definitely not something I'm necessarily looking forward to, but it is something that I'm gonna have to confront. So. If you're grieving a recent death or even a not so recent death, since this process really isn't linear or ever really final, um, this podcast will hopefully bring you some comfort. So I just want to start by talking about my father's death just a bit and my initial healing process. And then we're going to dive into some things that you can try yourself or keep in mind, uh, especially as we finish off 2021 and enter the new year. So the tips that we're going to kind of chat about a little bit um, will be things that can help you prioritize your wellness and your well-being even while you're grieving. Um, So just to preface this, I first of all just want to acknowledge that grief and healing are two of the most personal journeys that we face in life. Although as humans, we crave connection and understanding and validation that what we're feeling is valid, grief is something that doesn't just give us the satisfaction of universal understanding. And so what we go through is so unique and so reliant on our individual experiences with the person that we lost that nobody can ever really truly understand what it's like to lose the person that's coming to mind for you right now. Um, since they, they weren't there for every interaction or and they didn't share the same connection that you had. So although connecting through a mutual understanding of what grief or the feeling of grief in general um, feels like, it can be extremely therapeutic and helpful, um, but that connection or attempt thereof can also cause a little bit of resentment sometimes because we feel like, hey, you don't understand. Only I know what this is like. You lost your grandparent? Well, I lost my father and they lost their child and they lost their first pet. And all of these losses are equally as valid and they deserve to be felt and grieved. But with all of that said, I can't necessarily understand exactly what you're going through. So just because a lot of us have experienced this feeling of grief and we're looking for some kind of connection, It doesn't necessarily mean that anyone will ever truly actually understand exactly what we feel. And that's something that one, we just need to acknowledge because if we don't acknowledge it, it can really cause a lot of resentment uh, towards the people who are actually really just trying to help you by relating to you. Um, And once we are able to accept that, you know, no one is going to know exactly what you feel like. And even further, no one actually needs to understand what you feel like. Um, people don't need to understand your emotions for them to be valid. Only you need to acknowledge them and, uh, and live in them, right? It's not about other people feeling your pain or seeing that you're hurt. It's really about 
you coming to terms with what you feel like and acknowledging how you feel and cherishing the fact that, you know, that grief and the relationship that you had with your loved one or that person is unique to you and it's special and it's something that you're going to hold on to forever and it doesn't need to involve anybody else, right? It is nice to be able to connect with people. I'm not devaluing that at all. I think that, you know, um, connecting through whether it's like group healing or just chatting with people is really important. But just remember to release that expectation of, of you know, a true understanding of exactly what you feel like because that's not the goal. The goal is to connect uh, and for you to not only connect with others through grief, but to connect fully and entirely with yourself and your higher self. So I just wanted to acknowledge that because uh, this path isn't linear or ever really final. So there are only things that can aid in developing a new normal instead of restoring the past completely just with the puzzle piece of your loved one left out. So basically these tools that we're going to chat about, um, they aren't about bringing you back to a place that you were in before you lost your loved one. Uh, They're really about bringing you forward and allowing you to create this new sense of normal and new path because what you're on right now, you're you're never going to be able to go back, not just um, in the sense that you won't be able to see that person or be with them again. Um, It's also in the sense that you won't actually be that person anymore, right? Like these these things have changed us and our circumstances are different. So we don't want to revert back. We want to move forward. And it's just about learning how to do that without the loved one uh, while still honoring yourself. And I think really diving into these wellness practices and prioritizing your own wellness is, is super important. So now with that said, let's get a little personal. So... Uh, My dad was diagnosed with esophageal cancer back in December of 2019. He was actually diagnosed two years ago today. When I realized that, I was like, oh no, so emotional. I just, I just had one of those moments where I was like, wow, two years ago, he, he was here. And I remember he said, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere yet. And, you know, it's two years later and, and here we are, you know, he's been gone for about five months now and it's just, well, so Clearly, it's still something that that I'm going through in this process. Like I said, it's maybe never ending. I've spoken to a lot of people who say that this process is is exactly that, a, a process. It's not linear. It's not finite. Um, and it's something that, you know, you, you deal with every day. And that's why prioritizing your own well-being and, you know, making sure that you are practicing some kind of wellness-based living is so important. So my dad did treatment. And then by the summer of 2020, they were like, oh, he's cancer free. We were like, yay, perfect. Uh, But then unfortunately, they were wrong. And by October of 2020, he had cancer in his esophagus, his bladder, kidneys, adrenal glands, and his liver. Um, So that was a shock. And I moved back home uh, to be with my family, of course, in early March of this year. And by the end of May, the cancer had spread to his neck. And then eventually it had spread into his brain. So without going into too much detail, of course, I I shared a lot of intimate and vulnerable moments with him. And uh, two weeks before he passed, he actually gave me the advice to start the morning early with exercise or some sort of movement, whether that be walking or running or yoga or whatever it is. And then to work or study or whatever I had for that day, cook, work some more, tire myself out, you know, do things that make me happy, but then make sure that I'm tired enough that I go to sleep early. (laughs) 
And he was trying at that point to help set me up for success and guide my path to wellness when he knew that he wouldn't actually be here to help if I ever felt like I wasn't on track or feeling well. So he knew that the grieving process would be difficult. And so he offered the advice of developing routine and avoiding late nights of overthinking. He knew that uh, when I when I wasn't prioritizing my own well-being, that I would kind of self-sabotage. Like I would stay up really late. So then I would either be exhausted if I had to wake up early or I would sleep in a bit. Um, then I would either, you know, not cook at home. So I'd be eating out or I wouldn't eat enough. Um, and it's just kind of how it turns into this cyclical pattern of like self-sabotage and not prioritizing yourself. And he knew that I had that in me in the past. And he was like, you know what? You got to set this routine up for yourself. Wake up early, work, do school, you know, exhaust yourself, have fun, prioritize your well-being, eat enough, sleep enough, um, you know, make your bed, these things and develop, develop a wellness routine and get into these habits and, and, you know, those things should help you stay on track and feel grounded. So in the months of, of uh, leading up to his death, I actually did a few things to help keep me grounded. But I spent a lot of time, honestly, just wandering and, and looking for a path that would, quote, save me from the reality that I was facing. So I started practicing more yoga uh, I started meditating more. I dived into Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga, which we'll explore another time. Uh, but I never really felt grounded, like truly grounded until after he passed. I was in like a really chaotic time, of course, of this like, oh no, is it going to happen now? Is he going to pass? You know, all this is traumatic. What's happening? Your brain's running at like a thousand miles a minute uh, for such a prolonged period of time. So it was really difficult to actually feel grounded. Um, but after he passed, that was once I was able to actually start grieving and then really focus on what prioritizing myself would look like since it was really the only option that I had if I wanted to come out on the other side, whatever that means. So uh, here are some practices that could potentially aid in prioritizing wellness despite dealing with a loss. So we're going to start off with developing a movement practice. And I spoke with someone before my dad passed who mentioned that energy can become trapped within our bodies after a traumatic experience. And apparently if we don't move or find a way to get the energy flowing, it can be super damaging to our emotional well-being. So in yoga, and this is how I related it, but uh, in yoga, uh, they refer to energy pathways or, or marma as a place where prana or life energy moves. Uh, but that practice of energy movement is actually seen through a lot of things like Reiki, meditation, through ecstatic dance, um, even weightlifting, hundreds of other practices. So that idea of energy movement isn't unique to yoga uh, or, or ecstatic dance or anything like that. It, it really can be found within any movement practice. You know, you're, you're sweating, you're moving energy around. It's a release. So I'll do an entire episode later on the importance of a movement practice, but just for the context of today's episode, it's mostly important to have a movement practice that'll give you time to one, move the stagnant grieving energy within you, and then two, prioritize you and you alone for 30 to 90 minutes or however long you choose to move. Um, And that's without the thought of the outside world. And devoting actual time to yourself can be one of the most healing things that you can do. Um, So another thing that you could try is to dive into your hobbies or revisit old ones. If you used to play an instrument or dance or play a sport or run or whatever it was, now could be a great time to actually devote some energy back into your hobby. 
Um, Although our personality or identity is always changing with every interaction, literally, uh, we don't actually typically notice that we're shifting on a daily basis or that our kind of identity is is changing and shifting and developing literally with, with every interaction. But when we lose someone, we're often like flipped onto our heads and we're left in this state of disconnection from ourselves since things change so quickly. We're like, no, I'm having this existential crisis. Like, who am I, right? I'm sure... I'm sure if you've been through this process, you're like, wait, you know, who am I without them? Or, or I feel so different. I've changed all of a sudden. I feel different, whether that be for the worse or the better, like you feel it. Whereas although we're changing literally with it, with every interaction, we don't normally notice that, but grief can really throw you into this like crisis where you think, oh no, who am I? Um, and you feel really disconnected from, from ourselves because it happens so quickly. So here I'm basically touching on some like very entry ego versus higher self talk, which we'll explore for further, uh, another time. But in the case of grief, we see our quote, personality or identity, AKA like who we think that we are change or be thrown off balance very quickly. And at a time like that, stabilizing ourselves and kind of returning back to familiarity is really nice, especially because losing someone is the opposite of of having stability and familiarity in our lives. Uh, So if you're able to return back to an old hobby, it's a good way to stay grounded and connected back to yourself and, and your interests. And although you may not always be in the mood to actually just, you know, dance around your bedroom while grieving, making a conscious effort to prioritize staying grounded and connected will definitely make this experience a little less destabilizing. Um, so eating with awareness, that's another thing that you could definitely try uh, in order to kind of prioritize your wellness while you're grieving. Um, so the last thing that you want to do while in this period of grief is become obsessive with your eating habits as this can become something that you know further controls your life in a time where you're already lacking a lot of control um, just because you couldn't control obviously losing someone. So the last thing that you want to do is become obsessed and you know that's a lot easier said than done. Um, but when I say eating with awareness, what I mean is to actually attempt to eat intuitively in a way that'll make you feel good. So if one day you wake up and you crave something cold like a smoothie, then later in the afternoon you feel like eating you know, a basket of fries, then honor that. It's about acknowledging what your body wants and actually listening to it and getting into that habit of thinking, okay, what, do I, what am I craving right now? Okay, I want a burger. Okay, great. Then let's do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that, right? And so it's just about acknowledging and honoring that practice. So um, within grief, we can't actually bring our loved one back or do anything that can, you know, quote, solve our pain, but we can listen to our bodies and that's something we are in control of. And we can try to find happiness through the daily mundane tasks like eating. So for some, now is a good time to eat a lot of whole foods and develop some organization and routine in the kitchen. That can feel great. Um, you may actually feel like you're thriving if you do something like that, but For some, now is also the time, it could be the time to loosen that grip and enjoy all the comfort food that your heart desires. So eating, there's no right answer to this. It's really, it's really an intuitive practice. It's really about eating with awareness is simply about just making conscious choices that honor how you feel. So taking that control back and just listening to your body and to yourself and thinking, okay, this is what I want and I'm going to do it, right? And so... Um, setting boundaries is another practice. So, 
some days will be better than others. And of course, that's normal. Like I said earlier, when I realized, you know, that, that it had been two years since my dad had been diagnosed, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And I just like, you know, cried a bit. And I was like, oh, gosh, but I haven't cried in so long. What does this mean? And, you know, you just have to just lean into it. And I just accepted, okay, like I'm feeling it right now just have to let it happen and some days are going to be like this some won't and there's no normal um this isn't linear someone who likes organization and kind of likes to know what i'm doing uh that can sometimes be a little difficult to understand like oh gosh i can't actually you know control when this is going to happen but it happens sometimes and you just have to lean into it so um if you're unable, for example, to hang out with someone that you've made plans with, or maybe you feel like you need to sleep in sometimes, just lean into that and set your boundaries. So uh, if you're uncomfortable speaking about your grief or maybe being vulnerable with certain people, honor your truth and just listen to your inner self guide you. You know what you're comfortable with and what you actually want to do, right? So someone's like, hey, do you want to go to brunch at 11? You know, we're all wearing red lipstick and you're like, well, no, definitely not. That's not what I need right now. Then instead of maybe coming up with an excuse or coming up with some reason why maybe you should go, just really try to get into that habit of, of leaning into what actually feels good and what you want to do and what's going to help you on this healing journey because there's no right answer. And um, If you don't want to go get brunch and you don't want to put the red lipstick on, then don't do it. Uh, so like healing and wellness, they're directly interlinked and it's a process of understanding what you feel and then actually acting on it. Uh, so finally, something that you could explore is actually exploring new avenues of wellness. Um, so once you're actually able to acknowledge the grief and pain, you're on the path to healing. Like I think it's, that's probably, I think step one in that healing process, like one, acknowledge acknowledging the grief and you know uh, understanding that it's there um kind of existing in it you know making sure that you understand okay i'm grieving i feel pain that's okay i'm gonna live in it and as soon as you can acknowledge it and not fight against it you're on the path so there are so many techniques uh, that can be used to actually help you along that journey uh, so now is actually the perfect time to really dive into exploration. You know, it's a time of new beginnings. And I know that sounds like a cliche and you're like, oh God, I, I didn't ask for this new beginning. I, I don't want to be grieving. I want to revert back to what I had before. But really surrendering into the fact that, um, you know, the impermanence exists in life. Nothing is permanent. It's really, really being able to detach from that idea of permanence existing is, is going to make the grieving process so much easier. And like I said, that too is, is a lot easier said than done, but it's something to keep in mind. So maybe even just kind of repeating that to yourself, that impermanence is a part of life. That'll make things a lot easier. So recently, actually, um, maybe about uh, two months ago, I visited the park uh, and I saw some people dancing barefoot in the grass and they were like meditating and just like free flowing some people were doing a bit of yoga like people were just moving barefoot and the sun was shining it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen like first i i saw them dancing i was like okay hey, what the heck is like what's going on here you know they were dancing in the middle of the park people were walking by it was busy but they just seemed to like not give a care in the world i was like okay i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna watch this and i sat there for like an hour watching these people move and um 
I was just like, I was in awe. And so afterwards, I, I found out that they were practicing ecstatic dance and specifically five rhythms. Definitely, I would recommend looking into five rhythms. Super cool. Um, but all practices and forms of ecstatic dance um, aim to sort of do the same thing, which is, you know, moving that energy around and connecting to yourself. Um, and ever since I, I saw them dancing that day, I started going. So uh, and it's been like such a wonderful way to actually feel connected to myself and move some of that energy around and like not only feel physically grounded, you know, with your feet in the on the on the ground, um, but just to move energy and move your body and not care what people think. It really is like the epitome of dancing like nobody's watching. And there's no actual direction as to what the dance is supposed to look like or be like or anything like that. You just move. Um, I know that it sounds weird. <laughs> I think if I had heard about something like this even a year ago, I would have been like, what are you talking about? That's so strange. But um, it's something that, you know, I, I saw and I was able to explore and it's helped me so much. Um, so now you, you don't need to like dance around barefoot like a hippie to find wellness. I promise this might not be the thing that's going to help you. You might be like, that's actually the last thing that I would want is to dance around the park barefoot where everyone can see me. Um, but don't be scared to try things that may be outside of your comfort zone. Like I definitely had seen those people dancing was like, mm, I don't know about this. I don't know if I could do that, but I was able to. And, and it's been something that's very therapeutic and helpful. And um, you know, after the practice, some of us have bonded. Uh, there's a closing circle and we've all kind of chatted about what we felt during the practice. And, you know, we've brought up, oh, I felt really connected to my parent or to my, you know, my husband who died or whatever it is. Um, it was, it was, it turned into almost like a group healing session and it's just super needed. So um, definitely explore these different avenues. If things come up and maybe you're introduced to some kind of practice that you can explore, I would definitely recommend doing it. So that might look like, you know, going on long walks that eventually turn into runs or like maybe that could be working in like group healing classes or trying Reiki or going to that fitness class that someone invited you to or whatever it is, just try to say yes a bit more. It can be really easy to want to kind of do nothing and, you know, stay by yourself. And all, and although you do have to set those boundaries and, and honor what you feel, it's also good to explore new avenues and, and to really just kind of explore what wellness looks like. So, um, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, like exploring and trying everything you can is vital because every step is a step towards healing. So, uh, this has been like in no means a comprehensive list of things that will actually aid in your wellness journey while grieving, but it's definitely a good start. And so uh, if you have any questions or you want to talk about grief, you want to share your experience or you want more guidance uh, in a future podcast, for example, just send me a message on the Prana Om Wellness Instagram. So it's at Prana Om Wellness. So just send me a message and we can definitely chat. And uh, if you guys want, then hopefully we can do another podcast um, kind of on the similar uh, on the similar sphere. So I just also want to say, be easy on yourself. The holidays are right around the corner. So just remember to be intuitive with your journey and don't put too much pressure on yourself. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Interested in learning more? Check us out on our website, pranaomwellness.com, where you can find wellness products to aid in your journey as well as articles to help you dive deeper into your own unique practice. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok by searching at Prana Ohm Wellness. Don't forget to lean into your inner voice. We trust you.